0: Hello, it's Wednesday the 30th of August, I'm Miranda Sawyer and this paint isn't for a ULED camera honest officer. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review where we jump into a teetering pile of today's papers like keen nursery school teachers ready to rip them all up, find the best bits and turn them into something new and useful like a papier-mâché dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) or a podcast (laughs) We're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday so hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode Now here are the headlines for today's show Plain unfair. Flight chaos could last until next week. People coughing up fortunes for alternative ways home. Water mess. Government changes rules for house building companies. Environmental activists are outraged. And beer goggles shocker. Boffins prove that alcohol doesn't make us more attractive. Britain's appalled. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Welcome to Papercuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're still in the airport living on crisps. (laughs) I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is new statesman writer and man who spent the bank holiday weekend finishing the final edits on his brand new book, John Elledge. Hello. Hello, congratulations. When you, what's your book called and when is it out?
1: It's called A History of the World in 47 Borders: These Stories Behind the Lines on Our Maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not out till April because publishing moves at the speed of light. <laughs> uh, and also there's a very nice man named Tim currently drawing some maps for me. So. Oh, lovely. Maps. But it's a very good book. Of people course. Should, people should pre-order it, please.
0: Yes, pre-order now. Also with us is comedian and woman who spent the bank holiday weekend eating brand new cinnamon pastries in Copenhagen, Grunia Maguire. Hello,
2: Grunia. Hello, I'm
1: Danish now. (laughs) Of course, we knew that.
0: We can tell. So, look, what do we have on the front pages today? John, what have you got?
1: So, the eye has gone with uh, UK airlines accused of abandoning passengers. The mail has not a penny to compensate air chaos victims. And to finish us off, the mirror has gone with flights hell, families thousands of pounds out of pocket.
0: Pretty grim, right? Terrible. Yeah. Gráinne, what do you have? So the sun also has
2: the airport uh, chaos. Its head story is stuck for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But also a little treat, a picture of Harry Kane in Lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> Guten tag. <laughs> uh, then on the express... PM, our Brexit freedoms will ditch EU rule to build homes. And the star goes with a scientific story. Boffins,
0: beer goggles don't work. OK, the express is kind of a word (laughs) munch, isn't it? I have to say. Right. Now, on most of the front pages is the continuing airline chaos with more than 1,500 flights. That's a third of all journeys cancelled on Monday and hundreds more acts yesterday. Experts have confirmed that whatever it was that caused the air traffic control computer system to shut down, it wasn't a cyber attack. They're still not sure who or what is to blame. But that hasn't stopped the press. (laughs) The press have found people to blame. John, they found various people to blame, haven't they?
1: They have. It's like a Rorschach diagram. It's like people are just seeing what they want to see. So the Sun has blamed the uh, CEO of the National Air Traffic Service, NATS, uh, whose name is Martin Rolfe, and his his total pay is one point three million. So that's money well earned. Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary has also blamed him, as uh, does uh, Willie Walsh, the director general of the International Air Transport Association, and the former boss of BA. The Mail and the Mirror, though, have decided they're blaming the airlines, who have found a legal loophole that means they, they don't have to compensate people properly. I mean, I think the legal loophole is, on this occasion for once, it is not the airline's fault. So is that a loophole or is that... I don't know. But they're behaving appallingly. My favourite, though, is that uh, several papers, uh, the Times the Ma- and the Mail, and the Independent, oddly, have decided that they blame the French.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because apparently a single French airline worker made a mistake when entering some data into the flight plan system and that brought the whole thing down.
0: It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it, it, apparently one one error in data entry knocked out the entire system and if you knock it out for a few hours there's this sort of rolling effect that means like people are delayed so they can't get on planes so they have to be on the next plane so the next lot are delayed and it's going to go on for weeks. Um, and now I would say at that point it's maybe not. The fault of the individual French data entry person. That to me suggests it's still Nat's fault because what kind of system is that that you <laughs> yeah. make one typo and you can knock out air traffic for the whole of Europe for a week?
0: I mean, it is amazing, isn't it? Because I kind of thought, oh right, you know, it must be cyber hacking. But I mean, I could do that cyber yeah. hack. <laughs> I can really, really easily fill in forms badly. Like, <laughs> like that's my skill. So I could become a cyber hacker just fill it in badly and everything goes. I just think that it's like. Every temp's worst nightmare. Yeah.
2: Like, imagine you're like, uh, uh, you're just two hours into the job. <laughs> you're like, I, I, I'm probably just imagining this, but I think there's a problem with my laptop. Like, that should be a, a Judd Apatow comedy. Whoever, whoever that poor person is, whoever that, and it'll be a man, whoever he is, um,
0: I think that is, yeah somebody make a film about I think it. if the
1: papers ever identify them, they're going to have to leave the planet.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. But they will. That's the problem because the oh. male, I have to say, are exceptionally good at finding the individual responsible for oh. whatever. So they will have their hounds out. I mean, it's it's quite appalling. Given that you were saying about an intern, there's some awful stories in the papers, one of which um, uh, described this detail which really broke my heart. So it's a, a very long story which I'll, I'll tell you in a little bit about a guy come mm. trying to get back from New York Mallorca but he described I mean that you know thousands of passengers descending on this one 19 year old girl who worked for Ryanair who'd started in the job only three days previously and she was left to handle hundreds of frustrated flyers can you imagine
2: I mean she's probably she's 19 she's been in the job three days she's probably what head of Ryanair. But... <laughs>
0: she's, she's the top
2: brass. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's just awful because you know what it's like. If you go to a holiday airport, it's obviously not as big as some, somewhere like Heathrow. Mm. So it's just a small airport that's empty until a flight comes in. That's how it works. And then when a flight comes in, there's a couple of people that might help you, you know, locate your car higher. That's it. So the, these poor people are now dealing with absolutely everybody. It's so, so. I just think what people who work in customer
2: service. I think they, you know, honours lists. It should be whoever does customer service for Ryanair. They should have like a pension for for life. They should get to retire when they're forty. They should be given a yacht. I think it is the worst job in the world. So
1: I, I don't think the papers are going to get behind this plan. <laughs> It does not feel like they're, they're, they really want to look after Ryanair staff this
0: week. <laughs> no, they're definitely, they're definitely not doing that. There are some awful stories. I mean, you know, they're, they're the stories that if you're not in an airport, make you laugh. <laughs> but if you're in an airport, they're just terrible. There's one in the Times about a guy in Mallorca who lost his Ryanair place. He waited nine hours to get information from the Ryanair reps. Obviously, didn't give, give him very much. And then they said, oh, it's okay. You can get a flight at 11 o'clock the next day. So he thought, right, I'll go and try and find a hotel. The queue to get into the cab to go to any hotel was three hours long. So he thought, okay, I'll just sleep at the airport. (laughs) So he slept at the airport. I'm getting a flight at 11. It's going to be fine. But the flight kept getting put back. And then he was barred from boarding at the end of the day because of limited space. They gave him back 50 euros for his ticket. So his ticket had been refunded. And then... Because At been, which point
1: there's no legal obligation, right?
0: Yeah, because he's been refunded, they don't have to look after him anymore. They don't have to pay his accommodation. They don't have to find him a flight because he's refunded. So he has to get an eight-hour ferry to Barcelona, a 14-hour bus to Paris, and then a train to London. Paid for by himself. <laughs> but,
2: and the worst thing, because it's Ryanair, I think it would take people a while to realise that there is... Something going on because a lot of it just feels like normal Ryanair customers. <laughs> <arguments.
1: laughs> I'm looking forward to the, the the third day stories on this, where we start getting like stories of love in the airport. here. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. this guy, I feel like there's a movie to be made about this guy's journey. <laughs> (laughs) In which you kind of like, you know, there's a a sassy girl who like at first he finds irritating. But, you know, half there's a moment on that ferry where suddenly he looks at her and sees her for the first time.
0: This is great. We've got two films out of it already. (laughs) Now, on the front of the express is a twist on the housing versus the environment story that we discussed a little bit yesterday. This is the headline. PM, our Brexit freedoms will ditch EU rule to build homes. Little confusing, but basically it goes on to say that Rishi Sunak has torn up Brussels red tape and given the green light to 100,000 new homes in a housing bonanza triggered by Brexit. This isn't all the entire story, is it, John?
1: Before I get into that, can I ask, am I being punished?
0: <laughs> Is
1: this because I complain that you kept making me talk about football? Like, oh, you like housing policy, John. Why don't we talk about housing policy today?
0: <laughs> you love it.
1: Okay, so ba- I'm going I'm to try and do this as best I can. So so EU um, pollution rules uh, led to a case in the Netherlands a couple of years ago uh, in which it turned out that uh, housing development was contributing, uh, let's get this right, nitrates to local water supply and damaging... Uh, areas that were protected uh, wildlife areas protected by EU law Uh, this case was very damaging a lot of house building stopped in the Netherlands because of the potential damage to the environment that's kind of since worked its way through the system into British law because this was Prius leaving the EU I think and the British system being what it is, we've, we've gold plated it, they call it. So we're not just trying to stop nitrates. Our environmental guidance also tries to stop phosphates. Nitrates are in the runoff from agricultural fertilizers. Phosphates are in the runoff from human poo. So basically, if you build any homes, you are going to increase the amount of sewage that is going to add more phosphates to the local, to the local uh, ecosystem. And the the guidance from, I think it's Nature England or some agency with a name like that has basically said, like, you know, unless you can prove there is no environmental downside to development, you have to stop doing it. And the problem is, if you're building homes, you're going to get more poo. There is an environmental downside. So what the government has done is it said it's going to tear up this EU rule because we're no longer in in the European Union. We don't have to abide by it. It's going to attempt to um, mitigate the environmental effect for a different route, for a fund to, to actually pay for dealing with the agricultural side of things. It also says it's going to try and get some money out of the house builders, which we'll see if that works. Um, But this is meant to unblock uh, about 100,000 homes that have planning permission where construction is paused because uh, because of these rules, uh, there are there are quotes. And, uh, Michael Gove is very excited about this, saying this is going to unlock 100,000 homes this decade. Uh, there are other quotes uh, in other papers from people within the sector saying this isn't a gold, this isn't a silver bullet, this is not going to magically solve everything. We will still have a housing crisis, but it's a step in the right direction. Can we talk about football next time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: That's an amazing, I have to say, an absolutely amazing explanation, but. Most people will not hear that amazing explanation. What they will hear is the government has said, OK, you can build a thousand, 100,000 new homes. That's good but this will wreck the waterways. And so what you have found is that what, what's happened is that people who campaign to try and keep our rivers clean, like Fergal Sharkey of the Undertones, an admirably <laughs> relentless water campaigner, he said his message to the government is, you have trashed what last shred of credibility and sincerity you had, and it's quite obvious you were prepared to sacrifice the environment at the altar of political gain. Is that fair?
1: I mean, I don't want to start defending this government's environmental record. Fergal Sharkey did also point out that in just eight hours and 30 minutes, this policy change added 493,964,000 pounds to the share prices of the major housing firms, Persimmon, Barrett, Taylor Wimpy and so on. Um, So, like, there are... are, But my thing is, like, if we're going to build more houses, that is going to make house building companies more valuable and we do need to build more houses. I do not actually have the technical knowledge required to know whether this is a good balance of environmental needs and housing needs. But the problem with a lot of these kind of uh, sort of green NIMBYs is that they just think what they do, basically what the the original version of these regulations was and said, well, we shouldn't build anything because it might have a slight downside. And it's like, well, yes, building homes is probably going to have a slight downside, but not building them is also having a massive downside, which we can see and we're about 4 million homes short in this country, we need to do something about that.
0: Yes, I can see that. It does seem a little bit like the government are essentially ditching all environmental concerns. That's what it seems a little bit to me. It's like, OK, we're pressing forward. We're going to ignore anyone who cares about green policies. We don't care about you. You can see that a little bit with the sabotaging of you, of you Les, and also with the kind of attitudes for, towards just-stop oil protesters. It It seems almost that it's it's more like a political uh, choice in order to be elected rather than any kind of choice around policy. Does
2: that what it seems to you? Yeah, right it seems like I always thought, okay, your first house might be a little bit of a shithole, but I didn't think, I thought that was figurative rather than <laughs> like literal. Your first house might be in a literal shithole. It just feels like it's sort of real pandering. It's really simplistic. It's really like, oh, this you less nonsense and let's just get on with it. And a lot of those EU laws, although they seem really boring and tedious, they're there for a reason. So they shouldn't, I think, just be torn up without really thinking about it.
0: Now, here at Paper Cuts, we love our headlines. We like them short, we like them snappy, and we like them pun-packed. Let's see if the subs are back from their holidays yet. What do we have today? Gronya. what do you have?
2: Well, the Daily Star are, having, are living their best life. <laughs>
0: That's the only way of describing it.
2: I'm just so happy for them. Um, so this is a story about a woman who was left stunned after spotting Sir Elton John's face in a splodge of bird poo. <laughs> Now, who hasn't seen Elton John's face in nature at least once a day? I Can know. Can I see I the am.
0: picture? The, it's, I mean, it is uncanny. He's got his sunglasses on and everything, has <laughs> got sun. Oh, and his, his little wig.
2: Do you think his she made sort of
1: pushing it round with a finger
2: to do that. <laughs> Shush now. Um, and they just had fun. You know what? They had fun. Good for them. Uh, so they went with the headline. I guess that's why they call it the poos. Woo-hoo! And then because obviously this is a big story, then uh, for the Daily Star says they return to this with your pong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because, you know, if you've got a good story like that, you're going to want to cover it. Uh, and then they said a woman was stunned to find an image of Sir Elton John in a splodge of bird poo. It's a little bit runny. That's three <laughs> puns. That's amazing. And even uh, because, you know, they they wanted to enjoy themselves. In the actual article, they went for a uh, number ones in the shit parade. <laughs> which if, if they were keeping to the theme they should have had number twos in the ship parade really uh, yeah. uh, and they have crocodile plop I guess that's why they call it the poos which they, they went to in the editorial don't let the bird crap down on me <laughs> <laughs> Benny and the squits <laughs> And Saturday night's all right for shiting. (laughs) That's the (laughs) best. (laughs) I feel like we should send them some form of cake. Oh, you know what? They had their cake today. They They
1: really enjoyed that. Over in the mirror, they've got a story about the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, doing an advert for Lidl. Uh, (laughs) They've gone with, I'll be back. The Mail, however, has a story about... Uh, former bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> <laughs> doing an advert for the supermarket chain Lidl, and they've gone with "I'll be black" and Decker.
0: Okay, I actually think that one's better.
1: I think it's. I think it's terrible. I think <clears throat> I'll. I'll be back. Was
0: they overdid it? They overthought it. They it. Mm. Okay. Well, we won't give them a medal then. <laughs> Now, if you look at the front page of the Eye today, around the edge of it, not in the main story, um, there are several interesting ideas on how to run your life as a woman with a family and perhaps a love life. Yes. Gronje, you've been absorbing these for us, haven't you? I mean, first up, there's a piece... Entitled "My Marriage Was in a Rut," so I tried the 777 method.
2: Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of admin for women to get on with. <laughs> there's a lot of things to stress about. I don't even have kids, and I'm already worried about. <laughs> I'm worried about what my, what way my children are speaking. I'm worried about the state of my marriage and how my pelvic floor is doing. Wow.
0: Okay. So let's let's try the state of the marriage one first.
2: So this is a story by Emma Reed in the relationship section about a new way of of keeping your relationship. On track, which is the 777 method.
0: This was made famous by actress Amy Nuttall when she kind of like listed some take back rules for her lover at husband, which actually didn't work. It, it turns out admin is not the way to save a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to briefly explain the 7-7 method?
2: <laughs> okay, so seven 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 is you're supposed to go on a date night mm-hmm. which... Yeah. Ugh, the only people who can say date night and make it not insufferable if when the Obamas say it. Oh, yeah. No, That's they, they, they say anything, yeah yeah, they. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, cool. Good for them, good for them. But everybody else... Ugh. um, So 7, go on a date night every seven nights. Then you have a night away every seven weeks. And then you go on a a week-long
0: holiday away every seven months. Okay, so not, you know, you have a row every seven days and then you spend seven hours drinking. I've got, this is all wrong. You do eat
2: seven vegetables. <laughs> You're doing it wrong.
0: <laughs> do seven shots. <laughs> I've done it wrong. Okay, there's another um, story. I mean, I find slightly tragic about pelvic floors should we have a look at that oh I mean yeah, God. Uh, uh, We're John on. is staring I'm just space. I'm just
1: I'm just sitting this bit out
2: <laughs> John what are your opinions on pelvic floors are you for them or against them
1: I like them I think they're good
2: <laughs> everybody's got an opinion on them um, so this is by Kate Lister this is the well-being section and See, you know how women, we put so much pressure on ourselves and we take things too far. So she was doing 20 minutes of fanny flexes a day. Wow. And she gave herself cystitis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that just doesn't seem fair.
2: She wanted her lady garden to be like a Venus flytrap. Oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out there's a lot of pressure on women, you know, our bodies, our temples. Well, sometimes we want that temple door to be really tightly
0: (laughs) shut. (laughs) It's not shut like an old-fashioned handbag. Yeah.
2: Like a cigarette case. <laughs> um, so the idea is that, you know, there's a very sort of a specific style of vijayji mm. that women think they have to have. And then we lose the run of ourselves and we end up having to drink cranberry juice.
0: And um, we've got another story finally, haven't we, about um, um, therapy speaking seven year olds. So this is. Very
2: interesting. So uh, this is by Sophie Morris, and it's in the society section. And uh, it's a very um, eye-catching headline. Help! My seven-year-old daughter started using therapy speak. <laughs> so this is about... her. She was asking her daughter to brush her teeth, and her daughter said, stop stressing me. Oh. So now she's worried that her daughter has internalised therapy speak. And what I think is so funny She says, oh, she said, stop dressing me. And she said, she's stressed at seven. I'll give you stressed. I think my mind racing to energy bills and an ailing car mortgage rates and a burning planet. Whoa. I mean, mean, dump that on your seven-year-old.
0: Why not?
1: (laughs) Can I just check? Is the seven-year-old in therapy? Because if not, where has she got this from?
0: I mean, what this is always about is... How can you improve yourself, women? I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, can't you improve your daughter or your, you know, your noonie (laughs) or, or, you know, your relationship? What can you do? Yeah. And if you've, if if any of them are proving
2: difficult because life is difficult and people are complicated, it's probably because you haven't read the right books and there's blogs out there and that's what Instagram is for. And you're probably doing it wrong. And if You're finding it difficult. It's your problem because everybody else is doing it perfectly.
0: Now, here's some vital news about beer goggles. <laughs> on the front page of the Times and the Star, and covered extensively in The Guardian, are the results of an experiment around alcohol and attractiveness. John, what's been happening here?
1: So apparently there's been a certain amount of research on this in the past, and it's, it's been inconclusive. It's, not, it's found maybe there's a small effect, but it's not sure. So the thing that's different about this experiment is they try to create a social situation by sending in 18 pairs of male friends to rate the attractiveness of men and women in photos and videos, some of them sober, some, some of them, I think, just given cranberry juice to help with their cystitis, <laughs> uh, some of them given enough vodka and cranberry juice to raise their alcohol, blood alcohol concentration to 0.08%, which... which is about enough to kind of get you done for drink driving, but you're not plastered. <laughs> and, and the plan was that because it's like 18 pairs of lads, they'd be going, oh, give her one, mate, all that kind of stuff.
0: And so maybe
1: fe- that, that would kind of like generate the kind of social situation where, where like the beer goggles effect can kick in.
0: Can I just point out a very strong problem with this experiment, which is they're clearly not drunk enough. I mean, that's like if they're just <laughs> at the point of like they, they, they've hit the drink driving. Yeah, that's that, not really when beer goggles mm-hmm. kick in. Is I it? mean,
1: these are Americans. So they, <laughs> so they, 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 they probably drink less than than you know our undergraduates do. Yeah,
0: it's and also more, I think it's more beer monocle really <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So after they they'd got kind of you know very lightly intoxicated enough to kind of see see if they'd found somebody attractive, um, what they found was it didn't really make much difference to whether they found somebody attractive or not. But what it did do is give you a little bit of courage. So you you might feel like uh, able to approach these virtual people and photos and videos. Would you go and, and talk to them? So it's a bit like it hasn't given you beer goggles, but it has given you kind of courage. That's what, it, that's what it's saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like it's sort of investigating the fact that, you know, we all know this happens. We all know it's yeah. easier to, to pull when everyone's hammered, let's be honest. They're just trying to work out exactly why that's true. Uh, but I, I have to say personally, I'm very disappointed if beer goggles aren't the thing, because I think I might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all would be,
0: right? That's the point of the
2: beer goggles. But I think I think beer goggles, in my experience, it's not that other people become more attractive. It's like in my head, I'm sitting I am so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my thought my skin. is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I think that's what uh, means you approach people more.
0: Yeah, it's beer mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Beer filter. Okay, well, I mean, in entirely unrelated news, um, Gronje, I'd like you to look at the front page of The Sun. So you have not got beer goggles on. No. No, I'm and sober. You're sober. <laughs> We're all sober. And there is a picture, oh. which I would like you to assess. It is of Harry Kane in Lederhosen. What do you reckon?
2: Oh, my. Like, oh, yes. (laughs) I'm not like, because I should declare um, my husband is a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Mm. So any compliments regarding Harry Kane. Will jeopardise my marriage at the moment, but oh, he looks—you know—he looks like a lovely little shepherd, doesn't he? And <laughs> his little and I'm getting real, like sound of music. Oh, who's calling? You know that telegram boy who's a Nazi, but he's conflicted about it. I'm
0: getting real vibes. Is this what, what women getting. are
1: into these days? Yeah,
0: yeah. That was the conflict, but yeah. um, but he's also—I mean, it's it's. It's. I have to say, having not found Harry Kane attractive in the slightest, because you know he is a bit boring. He looks fit. Oh. I mean, technically he looks fit. He's got like a kind of f- a funny little suit top half mm-hmm. with a waistcoat, and he's got like unusual shoes and some some socks. But it's the the middle bit. So he's got a pale pair of leather shorts on with embroidery
2: beautifully embroidered and he you know it's the confidence he's got his arms folded he's looking right down the camera lens he's like yeah I've got a pair of shorts on
0: what about it yeah I mean but not the normal shorts because he often has a pair of shorts on these are his kinky shorts and he's he's going for it
1: wouldn't you be worried that he very confidently launched into a burst of Edelweiss
0: oh my goodness that would I see these are the things that would make Harry Kane more attractive (laughs) Just a bit of looseness. <laughs> he's like it's like he's saying this is the real me and that's the end of today's paper cuts, thanks to John.
1: Thank you, buy my book. <laughs>
0: and thanks to Grania. thanks for a very hoogie morning if you're Danish you would get that I yeah uh, <laughs> over my head uh, thanks for listening and don't forget to follow Papercuts on your favourite podcast app if you really like us then leave us five stars on Spotify and Apple and tell all your friends to subscribe because listening definitely makes them sexy you can also follow us on X and Instagram at Paper Show. the links are in the show notes I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the star revealed that a single block of Spanish cheese has sold for a world record-breaking (laughs) £26,000. See you next time.